0: sure history never forgets the name sci-fi mallard got out
1: wanting to get out and see the world but crunched for time then join phileas fogg's 88 day world tour package start out at trafalgar square in lovely london where you'll then make your way by balloon to the azure coast of spain you'll see a live bullfight. Then, you'll head by yacht to Cairo, where you'll have an ancient Egyptian tour experience. Following another yacht ride to Mumbai, you'll taste the exotic spices of India by rail and elephant. Watch out for those thuggies! After another beautiful cruise across the Bay of Bengal, you'll take a beautiful tour of Hong Kong, followed by a trip to wonderful Yokohama and experience modernity and tradition meet. Then enjoy a voyage across the Pacific where you'll experience the United States starting at San Francisco. You'll take the Transcontinental Railroad and finish at New York. From there you'll finish the final leg of your journey with a trip across the Atlantic ending at Liverpool and a direct train back to London. Trips start at 20,000 pounds with our friendly guides like floss Pespertum. For more information, send a self-addressed stamped telegram to www.fogtours.com. Fog Tours, they're out of this world. Fog Tours are a subsidy of Jules Verne Enterprises.
0: Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 251, Around the World in 80 Days, the world's longest tour film. We are not responsible for what you may find if you go to www.fogtours.com. We are not responsible if you send any money to fogtours.com. Also, how on earth
2: do you stamp a telegram?
1: I don't know. It's Jules Verne Sci-Fi. What is your first name, Mr. Burns? (laughs) I don't know. Welcome back, sickies, to the final episode of... Jules Verne July. Thank God. And I I have, <laughs> have to say I have been films. kind of upset. I really had high hopes for this month cuz Jules Verne is such a giant of science fiction and honestly for me with the exception of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, it's been kind of a letdown. Although, I will admit, I really did enjoy this film, but apparently Thomas and Scott did not. So,
0: this is where, I figured it out, where the phrase, the movie or the book was better came from. These adaptations of Jules Verne's classic novels were watched by people who read the book and loved it and said, oh, the book was better.
2: (laughs) You know, I have read the book. The book is fantastic.
1: Yeah, so we're not really going to go over the book or even the movie so much because I kind of gave you the plot in the intro, but... I'll start off as to why they're doing it. If you I don't hope know we this go film. over
2: this movie because otherwise we watch this movie for nothing. Well, we're, I mean <laughs> the
1: plot. I'm not going to give any okay. kind of rundown because I did most of it in the intro. But I will say the reason is Phileas Fogg is a guy in London who uh, he's is in his eccentric? social club. And he's t- yeah, eccentric to say the least. And he is told that uh, there was a bank robbery and he just said, well, the person that got the money is clearly clever and is probably halfway across the world by now. To which his cohorts, and this is 1876 London or so, to which his cohorts said, that's nigh impossible. And he said, oh, you could get around the world in 80 days if you wanted to. And so he makes a bet for 20,000 pounds that he could pull it off. And then everything else ensues with uh, something like he rescues an Indian princess from sooty, which is self-immolation with your husband's dead body. And some other things happen. And pretty much they, he wins. Because he crosses the international dateline, he manages to get back in time. He also gets accused of stealing the money from the beginning of the film, The Bank Robbery, because he has so much money. But really, that's the plot. The, The big difference between the book and the film from 1956 is that in the book, there is no hot air balloon. In the film, there is. And now it's just part of the movie. So with that out of the way... You know, let me just get to, before I get to the fun facts, let me say, this is, this for me anyway, was a fun movie. A drawback, of course, and I'm not trying to jump to rips and picks, but a drawback, of course, was the three-hour limit. And whether you see this film or the TV made-for-TV one with Pierce Brosnan, it it was a long movie. Um, I'd rather, you know, I could have suggested watching the one with Jackie Chan, but, um... I knew that would be awful.
2: Hey, it was at least had comedy and funny. I have seen it.
1: Okay, but I just, I did not want to go that route. I wanted to get something at least somewhat similar to the original, and so that's it. Oh, so let's just get to the fun facts so we could jump in and explain this movie. Uh, this movie is interesting, the 1956 one, in that it really kind of invented the idea of cameos. Peter Lorre has a cameo in here. Uh, Frank Sinatra has a cameo in San Francisco. Red Skelton. Red uh, Skelton has a, a, a um, cameo, cameo. While, while eating. Yeah, a bunch of cameos are appearing in this movie. Some of them were supposed to be like, uh, let's see... What's his name? Gregory Peck was supposed to be the cavalry captain. He turned it down. John Wayne was tapped for it. He turned it down. But, you know, you got the idea. They were trying to pull some real star talent. Because, honestly, this movie took 76 days of filming and, at the time, was the longest movie ever made.
2: Well, also, at the time, stars were more owned by the studio so you tried to pull them into every. Sure,
1: sure. You did. So. so, this was the biggest endeavor for a film of the 50s up until that point of course it's been surpassed since then lord of the rings surpassed it in size and scope but in fact making it they had to travel to all these countries and also hollywood studios made 146 different sets for a lot of these films like england hong kong and japan but they also went on location as well so there was a lot of effort put into this and in fact the actors, they did a great job. Shirley MacLaine was the Indian princess. Well, more on that later, of course. She did a great job. David Niven said that Phileas Fogg was his favorite role. Um, Cantifloss, his role, uh, excuse me, Pasaporte or whatever, Pasperpout or I still can't say it. His role in the book was far more diminished. The only reason it was expanded upon because Cantifloss was the highest paid actor of the time from Mexico. And they knew they wanted to dip into that Latin Hispanic market. And they did. Also, they probably wanted a little more comic relief. And they got it because he was a comic character. He was probably the
0: most entertaining part of the film.
1: Well, f- another fun fact about him the reason the bullfighting scene existed at all or was so long is that he was an actual bullfighter, he actually knew what he was doing. So, and again, this was back in the day too when stunt man what's a stunt man or even if they had stunt men what's a safety precaution it wasn't really a thing so these people you know i know tom cruise likes to do his own stunts but he does it with a lot of safety features a guy getting charged at by a bull in 1956 there was no safety feature i'm the studio exec to
0: read your contract i own you jump off that building
1: right <laughs> In fact, the rocket at the beginning, you know, after Edward R. Murrow does the introduction, the rocket blast, that was real. That was, they, the film studio did that. They got permission to shoot a rocket and paid for it. That wasn't taken from some other, like, uh, I mean, the film footage of the camera from space was, but the rocket they shot off wasn't from, like, a Navy training video. No, they did that on their own. So, they Elon Musk this thing, apparently.
2: Mm, They might have needed a little more work on that one, but okay.
1: Well, still, the fact that they did it, though, I mean, shows is kind of interesting. A couple more things. Um, The role of the Indian princess was removed from the Indian release. At least, well, not, not removed. I mean, the scene, with a... her, the scene with her and Suti, where oh. they rescue her, was removed. So she kind of just, just appears out of nowhere with no question. She's I can't imagine why. <laughs> so, uh, yeah.
2: The burning of human sacrifices. I
0: mean,
1: that was, at one point, a tradition there. So And was it a tradition at the time that the story takes place? I think so, yes. It wasn't common. But
2: Well, you know, again, backwards India, same type of thing we have. Backwards America somewhere. Right. Right? Some well, well yeah, happens. I mean, everything
1: was for I've
0: Britain, spent my but. entire life looking for something that I can call a universal truth that is always, like, you know, it, it always will apply. And I think I've found it. And this is just more proof of it. If the only reason something still exists and you can argue for keeping
1: it is that it's tradition then it's time to get rid of it. Oh, no. Tradition Tradition is the worst reason to do anything unless it's a holiday thing. Like watching Armageddon and quoting it on Christmas. you <laughs> have stopped doing that recently. What?
0: But the only reason to still do it was that it was tradition.
1: Okay, but I mean, that's the only time where I would have been like, well, it's tradition. that That's one time where tradition's a good excuse in and of itself, but... Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, like Sooty, if everybody wakes up one day and goes, this is stupid. But tradition, it's stupid. We're moving on. So. Um,
2: carefully, you're making a argument for colonialism there.
1: And you can move on from that because colonialism was.
2: You've a alienated half the audience. So have I.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I know a lot. I uh, work with a lot of Indians and they would think Sooty is backwards, too.
0: Well, that's so, not what I meant. I meant no, When we no. said to get, that if you only keep tradition because it's tradition, then get rid of
1: it. We've alienated half the audience. You just said the same thing. I, I that said wasn't, I, didn't I wasn't as aggressive, no, look, so. Move yeah, on. We're, we're laughing at ourselves, too. Uh, I see. Okay. I took that Before wrong.
0: you move on to fun facts, I do have one. Okay. I did some math. Yeah. How much money do you think that the 5,000-pound bet is worth in current... Well I can't say current. Well, it was in twenty sixteen United 000. Yeah, but each bet was five thousand. Oh okay, okay. In in twenty sixteen dollars, how much know. was the five thousand dollar bet worth? Five thousand
2: dollar pound bet worth. I don't $5, know.
1: Five thousand dollar pound.
2: Five
0: thousand pound bet.
1: 50?
2: Oh, I'm thinking it has to be more than that. Something like Paul, oh, again, this was what? Uh, Eighteen seventy two. Okay, that's way before in the US dollars, so we're talking a few million. Well, it has I mean, to be millions. In 1870,
0: the approximate, the pound, one pound in 1870 would be worth 109 pounds to, in, 18, in, 19, in 2016. Wow. Oh, wow. So, you have to take the 5,000 pounds and multiply it by 100, and then do the conversion rate of dollars to pounds, and I've come up with something approximating $650,000.
1: Okay, so he uh, made so, a, and so then you have to times that that's, by. That's times four. Times, times four. four. Wow, he made a lot of money.
2: He wagered about $2.5 million just straight up, like, I have this lying around in the bank. You
1: know what's funny? That seems like a Scott kind of thing to do. If you had the money and you were that inclined, you'd be like, I'll take that bet. Well, if you maybe had- not now. New Scott might not do that.
0: No, if but- I had the money, I'd still, if someone told me, someone told me today I'm going to get around the world in 80 days, I would say no. But if someone tried to tell me today I'm going to get completely around the world and hit all of these cities in
1: 36 hours, I might take the bet. <laughs> oh, for $2.5 million or whatever? I think, I,
0: I think actually if you said I can get all the way around the world and make five stops in 24 hours, I'd say you're on.
1: Okay. so that I don't think s- you can do it. Scott would take that bet. And in fact, uh, he would be happy to know that there were bookies... Haging, hedging their that there were Vegas odds.
0: That was that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause the it is now 30 to 1. Oh no, wait, he's where? 33, 33 to one. 1.
2: Constantly updating, which also leaves you a quick question. Actually
0: I'm gonna lose that bet if I take it. Twenty-four hours isn't enough. I'd have to make it 18 to feel really confident that they
2: can't make the stops and Damn it. I was about to make them some money. Oh.
1: Um <laughs> last fun fact before we move on. Um Verbal bets are not binding. <laughs> Screenwriter S.J. Perlman, didn't, who wrote the script, didn't attend the Academy Awards ceremony for the film. Won the Oscars, even. Uh, instead, he sent another actress to accept it if he won. And he wrote a note for her to read when she accepted. She said the following when she accepted the award. I'm very proud to receive this object art on behalf of Mr. Perlman, who writes, she reads from the note. He cannot be here for a variety of reasons, all of them spicy. He's dumbfounded, absolutely flummoxed. He never expected any recognition for writing around the world in 80 days, and in fact, only did so in the expressed understanding, flips note over, that the film would never be shown. <laughs> so, uh, y- yeah. I'd like to back up here. Spicy? <laughs> yeah, I know. You gotta wonder what he was saying with that, but, you know, whatever. Uh this film
0: won the Oscar that year? What were the other films? <laughs> the Epic of the Crowing
1: Grass at 123 Any Street Small Town America? Again, Scott, you are mistaking you're, For writing too. You're he, he wrote
2: a book already written. You you uh You are The um, Fantastic
0: Voyage of the Drying Paint.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, Scott is committing the historian's fallacy of using a modern standard on an older film to dis- discern its wo- My its merit. point
2: is, it's already a book that he
1: wrote a script on something already Now, see, written. that I get. That I get. That one. Like, that criticism I get. How Third runner you, up. How? The fascinating job of the water taster. <laughs> hey, you know what? That person might actually be important.
2: <laughs> hey
1: you
0: water you, water have you, water hydrochloric acid water exactly
1: oh, wait. <laughs> or you, wait a sec something's wrong and for those of you sickies that listen to the Casatorium, uh what's that those who were at the um that hotel in la where the water supply was tainted oh, and the pressure body. was low because a dead body was in the tanks i'll bet they would have really preferred to have a water taster <laughs> that week
2: Except I would also question, if that water taster knows that taste that well, what's in their water tanks?
1: Well, it was after the dead body went in, of course. And but the, the interesting thing is, <laughs> the interesting thing is that maintenance didn't think to check the tanks until like days in, in which case he was like, "Huh, oh, there's a dead body floating." What's in going there. on with this water pressure? It's well, seriously down.
2: As a maintenance technician, I'm going to let you know the last thing I'm going to check for water pressure issue is for a dead body. <laughs> oh no,
1: he Just was, saying. saying. He went to check the tanks on the roof that were part of that. I, I know but, the story. Yes. Yeah, but a dead what body tried to no claim one... that
0: she fell into the tank too, and that she uh, was murdered. try to
1: claim she like, there's a number of theories behind that, all of which you could check out on the Caseatorium.
2: Okay. Ads, ads, ads,
0: ads, ads, ads. ads. Self
1: promotion is the way to go. <laughs> yes, so- I
0: have finally broken through Rage Master's communist shell and taught him the value of capitalism.
2: He is now shilling like
0: yep.
1: crazy. Yep, I <laughs> put away my hammer and sickle and I stopped beating people with miles red book in jetliner position. Anyway, so a few things to note before we get to rips and picks. A few topics I want to discuss. First. Yeah, yeah, this movie's old, modern not, outdated, racist blah blah blah. A warning if you don't like bad depictions of Native Americans, don't watch the movie.
2: Uh bad p- depictions of everyone.
1: Yeah. Basically just if you're if you're offended by bad depictions of people, uh don't watch the movie.
2: This movie
0: could be renamed Visiting Every o- Visiting Every Stereotype in the World in 80 Days. Because everyone is stereotyped. America
2: is stereotyped. Britain
0: is stereotyped. Everybody is stereotyped. Welcome to Spain, where all we do is bullfight.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, let's just... I'm not going to dwell on that because uh, it's out there. But here's what I will say. The question... Here's what I will say about that point. Um, Someone might watch this and say this... I mean... Why would 1950s audience have gotten really into this? I mean, yeah, it's neat that you had Edward R. Murrow introducing it and talking about the value of exploration and how the world has shrunk. But this is just a tour video. Well, you have to figure in 1956, if you wanted to go out and experience the world, the best way to do that was National Geographic. That was it. Or maybe a museum. For your average person, even though we had airliners and everything else like that, it was not a common thing. Um. Well,
2: let's see. This is just after. Well, recently after World War II, right.
1: And that's the other thing. Even if you went to Europe, you're looking at a Europe that's still in repair. Plus, you have the uh, you have the Iron Curtain preventing people from going to. Eastern half of Europe. So let's say you wanted to experience Prague. <laughs> not anymore. You're not. Or if you do, well, no, 1956? Yeah, no. If you do, you're not going to like what you see. And you're not going to like the fact that they're seeing you, nay, watching you and your every move. So the point is, this was alluring to people that had fewer entertainment options and far fewer travel options. Today, for us, it's like, gee, I could just put on a VR helmet and watch a YouTube video of someone walking through a street in Mumbai.
2: Well, it's not just that they went around, you know, showing off places in the world. They were showing off places in the world in the past. Mm -hmm. That's additional, because you could still, I mean, it was after World War II, you could absolutely stop in all these locations if you had the money Mm -hmm. and the time to do it. You could. But you wouldn't be there at the time that this movie is supposed to that's happen. That's also correct. Because I hate to tell you, San Francisco was really different
1: Absolutely. By, ni- in nineteen, 19- Even by 56. 1956? Yeah, yeah. 1956
2: I, was very the, different San Francisco than the one they showed in that film, that's for the, sure.
1: The only part they got right, that they, they, they could keep up to date, was Yokohama. Because Japan has been able to keep tradition and modernity together. And I know that are A few more
2: bomb craters, though.
1: They fixed that. Wow. I know. But the Buddhist statue that you see uh, Cantifloss visiting is there. I've been to that statue in Yokohama several times. So that was real. And you might be tempted to say, yeah, but the Japanese were dressed all traditional like in 1872 or whatever. Yeah, they would have been. Remember, Japan was isolationist until what? the um Perry's. Perry's fleet, which was in the eighteen forties. And even then it was very limited contact. Japan was very it until the Meiji Restoration in 1876, I want to say, or actually I think it was 1872. But the point is, until the restoration and the revolution, Japan did not start the modernizing process until the 1870s. And even then, they kept their outfits, their their traditional clothing, as a means of keeping tradition alive and their culture. Well,
2: so, even through World War II, exactly. they, they kept a lot of the and, traditional garb.
1: And if you go to Japan today, of course, there's a lot of modern clothing. But if you go to a temple area, you're going to see people in traditional clothing. I know, because I've been there. So, to say that in 1872, Japan wouldn't have looked like that, no, they would have. That part was accurate. Yeah.
0: I'll give you credit for that. But um,
1: the rest of the pe- depictions, well, that that was also a very big fantasy. I mean, Wait, are
2: you telling me America and San Francisco wouldn't have a parade for... I don't even know what election I that mean, was? they might have.
1: They might have. With just... I'm not saying they didn't, but... It, it, San Francisco looked a lot more wild westy back then. That's true.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've made arguments before, and I stand by these arguments that you can't judge a film out of time, and that you can't apply today's standards to the past. And I agree with that. And and yes. Ethics tend to shift and change over time, and people might get very upset at me over that, but what's considered ethical today is not going to be considered ethical 50 years from
1: now. That's very true. There's certain things that
0: just won't be considered ethical 50 years from now that are considered hard and fast, correct ethical behavior today. Now, all that said, when you make your film with the objective of showing what the world looks like and in, in showing people, this is what the rest of the world looks like. This is what life is like elsewhere. It is incredibly lazy in any era to create a film that is nothing but um, stereotypes, stereotypes for the entirety of the runtime. Oh, no, absolutely. So, I agree. 1956. 1996, 2022, 2056. It's going to be lazy writing if you attempt to display other cultures and you do no more research than to find out what the prevailing stereotype is and bring that to screen. If you're going to embark on this type of writing and you're going to try to show people what other cultures are like, do the take the time to do the research to be authentic and show them at least a somewhat realistic representation of the cultures that you're showing i agree so i will criticize this film for that i will criticize this film for being lazy in that depiction
1: sure and you know with the native americans too the feathered headdresses and all that is a thing for special occasions festivals weddings etc they don't walk around even back then they didn't walk around dressed like that. It's just flat out impractical.
2: Wait, you didn't wear your Sunday's best? No, you did,
1: you did not dress like in your uh, traditional festival attire to go out to... The train? To go out to train or whatever. Or just the fact that when the, the Native Americans attacked the train, whoever they were, they're using bows and arrows. It's like, ah... Uh, they had rifles. By then... <laughs> They had had rifles. In fact, some of them were using repeating rifles while the cavalry was going, I don't know, the soldiers might waste bullets if we give them repeating rifles. The repeating
2: rifle was not for wasting bullets. It was for the trigger action hitting the ground in the prone position.
1: And the Sioux were like, yes, (laughs) we we will take repeating rifles. Thank you. So, but...
0: That's a good yeah, point. The Scott. Indians showing up, firing at the train in bows and arrows. Yeah, uh, that
2: really—that yeah. really like I'm—I'm really I'm guilty. Uh, the, the the also how about they show up right at the point when you're about to have your duel? Which remind me again yeah. was outlawed in both England and America by then. I got a, a I mean, Duels were no longer
1: allowed. I'm sure that they happened every once in a while in small corners, but. Not no. in the middle of
2: a train. A train? Yeah, yeah. You I'm sure stop the conductor,
1: or the engineer, would be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to damage company property. You guys can duke it out when you get off the train."
0: But well, by 1872, they were not fighting with bows and arrows. N- no,
1: no. You, if you use a bow and arrow, is for a special hunting thing. Because I don't want to blow the brains they out. They
0: might have had muskets.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to blow the brains out of that thing. Depending I'd just on how use far west you got. But yes, yeah. By that. Rifles had replaced bows and arrows were a hunting item or a formality. So, yeah. So depictions aside, it's anybody who watches this is going to say, "Look at this!" and clearly say, "You know, this really isn't science fiction." What are you guys watching it for? Well, for one, I originally wanted to do Master of the World, starring Vincent Price, which is about a a Zeppelin dirigible attacking the world. But probably should have watched that. But this one's a classic. It's still a classic. And here's what makes it sci-fi. Not the technology. Not all of that. The futurist leaning. Science fiction is by its nature futurist in scope. Whether good or bad. No. Well, sometimes bad. But it leans that direction. I was reading a book by a Jewish science fiction author. Just uh, not, it, more like a biography. And he stated that a lot of Jewish people, especially in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, did not, when they were writing superhero and sci-fi serials, lean that way and not fantasy. Because fantasy looks back. It looks back at an imagined past. And Jews, traditionally in Europe, were not treated well. So they had no desire to look back. They, however, looking forward, looked pretty nice. You could imagine anything there. But looking back into fantasy was like, oh, I see the fantasy of knights. Ooh, killing me. No. So, and the reason I mention that is because futurism, science fiction, especially the stuff of Jules Verne, is trying to look at it like, okay, what does the future hold for us that's so good? How are we going to improve? And in 1872, the idea of going around the world in 80 days was nigh impossible. I mean, it was it was one of those it might work, but I doubt it. If you go back a colleague of mine and former coworker, Jerry, old older lady, she remembered her grandfather reading in the newspaper that you could eat breakfast in Moscow and have dinner in London and he said that's impossible. Her grandfather when she was younger. Or if you go to Disney World and they have the um, wheel of progress or something like that, where you see the different eras of technological development, and there's a part where the animatronic guy says, "Oh, Charles Lindenberg wants to cross the Atlantic in one trip. He wants to go from Paris, New York to Paris. Ah, that'll never work." And you're supposed to get a chuckle out of it because, of course, it did work, and now crossing the Atlantic is normal. I mean who cares i i i can recall flying to london to toronto and thinking i'm in a comfy plane watching a movie and i'm going to get to toronto in less than 8 hours Wow, you were in a comfy plane, man. Those international flights must be something nice. Uh, comfy, com- comfy compared to the o- sea voyages they used to have.
2: Oh, comparatively fine.
0: <laughs>
1: That's but where I'm going. Yeah, my no. knees are
2: in my lap. Okay, touche,
1: touche. <laughs> if I'm looking at it in terms of modern airlines, no. I mean, comfy is a relative term in this case. But hello,
0: everybody, cram yourself into our sky tube and let us rocket you through Although, the skies. I
2: did feel we're pretty good. Shove you all in here like sardines until you can't really move.
1: Recently, I was in a flight from Baltimore to Cleveland that was half full, so I sat in the back and actually got to lean the chair back. I was like, ah, so that's what this is like. Mad
0: yeah, I want to fly in a plane just once, the way it's depicted in like the 1970s. <laughs> There's yeah. like three rows. You can play football in the middle of the.
1: And they have china they serve on. There's actual right. plates. You're like, wow. There's a this bar
0: is- you can get up and walk down to. There's a second level. Oh, they in the do plane. have that.
1: You have to go to business class, <laughs> business plus. That happened to me once in a flight, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can raise my feet. The, the aisles are wide. Everything's on plates. They're giving me hot towels and I'm not paying a thing extra. Uh, it was the greatest airline experience I'd ever had. And it.
0: See, every plane I've ever been on is like either the 737 or the 747 that has some extra wide, like first class is even just oh, yeah, I was wider in, leather well, seats. I was in first class. Right. Well, but well, it's so only, I've only been in a one aisle plane. I've never been on a double aisle oh, plane. I've have. never been on I, have. I I've never been yeah. on a plane. My every flight I've ever taken has been on one of those single aisle planes where even first class is just like five rows where the seats are leather. The and leather wider
1: and no, I've leg room. A, yeah. I've been on I mean I've flown Detroit to Tokyo and that's yeah. they had that kind of thing. Like where, the
2: first class gets their own stewardess, yeah, but exactly. that's about it. It's but like but you then get you a little have your leg boom like, and that's about it.
1: Then you have your upper tier for the upper upper crust that gets, like, a bed. so Yeah, I've never been
0: on a plane that has multiple levels, anything. I'm just on those single-aisle planes where everyone is crammed into it like sardines
1: in a can. Oh, you're still crammed into sardines in a can on a 737. You're just in coach with the rest of the losers. But the point is...
2: Thanks, Upper Crust member over there.
1: (laughs) Thanks, guy with more money who gets to go through his own stupid entrance. But anyway, so... The point is, this film is future-leaning in that regard. And... Uh, that's the big difference between fantasy and sci-fi. Fantasy looks back. Sci-fi looks forward. Now, it could be a bitter version of the future, but it looks forward nonetheless.
2: Uh, and I don't, Is it, though, fantasy sometimes goes into
1: a world that's just completely different? It is different, but the fantasy point is like it has... Magic. It has more what we would call traditional tropes it's not looking and saying how do we look ahead it's more like it's taking fairy tales and reimagining them it's looking backwards instead of forward right
0: fantasy fantasy looks backwards science fiction looks forward aside from that the same thing you just replace science with magic
1: it's the idea of of tradition it's the idea of i can't believe i'm going this route but here we go uh let's do the hitler reference (laughs) oh my god (laughs) wow things i just learned by in my uh watching world war ii week by week by time ghost which you should check out on youtube uh not affiliated unfortunately um they just talked about they're going into the v1 v2 rocket program and the reason it took so bloody long to take to work was that hitler Never saw the utility in it until he finally saw launch and said, oh, my God, we should have been using these from the get go. Why didn't I fund this? And there's an easy answer for that because Hitler was too busy trying to recreate an old system, an old. he wasn't forward-thinking. He was too busy trying to imagine a past that never existed. It also
0: could have been the cocktail of, like, meth, cocaine, and God knows how many yeah. other drugs oh, that his true. personal position had also, him on every wow, day.
2: You, you, he used the V1s and V2s terribly. <laughs> oh, he, he used well, them as terror weapons. Of course he did. But also, the point is, I'm not saying he V1s didn't use them. There's another good reason why they weren't being produced. Oil shortage. Well,
0: Welcome yeah, but, to World War but, II,
2: Melody. <laughs>
1: you think Hitler was thinking of an oil shortage? The guy, production. The guy wasn't thinking of oil shortage when he said, when he nixed it. He just didn't see the point because he was too busy looking back at the past, not the future. Well,
2: yeah, he nixed the and so, jet fighter because he wanted it to be a jet fighter bomber.
1: So, but, and I, I, the reason I say that is it's not to say good job Hitler on eventually coming around to the rockets. It's more... <laughs> Rock, please isolate that. Rock, I want a me. <laughs> so, uh, but the point is to say, you had a great example, Werner von Braun, who was saying, look, these things could be used, f- they're the future, and another guy saying, no, I'm more worried about this traditional past and iconography and everything else. And that is kind of how you could look at it with... With fantasy and sci-fi. Now, for a story tart with literary, it, which is better? When, well, that's up to you. When this was written... That's up
0: to you. When this was written by Jules Verne, it was certainly science fiction.
1: Ex- absolutely. Because I mean, the whole premise ahead. is
0: that through the, through, the advancing, through the advancement of modern technology, man can do something that was thought impossible. Mm-hmm. Even if he sees... Right. Even if there's yeah. setbacks. Because they tell him, are you planning for the unforeseen? I always plan for the unforeseen. Uh, or I always account for the unforeseen. Yeah. No, you don't. But that's okay. We'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> at any rate, this is science fiction when Jules Verne wrote it. If it was still science fiction in 1959...
1: We'd have a problem.
0: ...is, is another question. No, because it's, now, not, it's now it's showing you what science fiction in
1: I
2: guess, 1870 oh, would have been. I, I think that might then explain why that beginning...
1: Exactly. section
2: of the movie exists exactly my point otherwise that does not work because that beginning scene just is confusing as can be it, unless you literally use it to explain that
1: exactly the Edward R. Murrow introduction there which by the way I found very charming exists to say of course, you. I, to I say, it, of course this, you would mark this future hey Edward R. Murrow is no joke look him up but I know him. I was saying to the sickies. Oh. The um, when you it the idea was of his introduction, as you said, Thomas, was to say, look where this attitude has gotten us. Look, we need this kind of leaning because, yeah, of course, in Jules Verne's day, this seemed ridiculous. And now, of course, it's not. Now, look, we've done better. And he even goes back to show a trip to the moon. Just so he could show us, hey, look, this is what they thought it was going to be. Here's an example of where we are, and it's that that kind of attitude that science fiction is useful for because it inspires that spirit. You know, one of the things I hear right now that I personally rebuke, and we're not, we don't need to get too far into this. I know we will, is people who say we can't invest in the electric car; it doesn't last that long. Yeah, you're right. Right now, it doesn't. And that's why at this moment, today and tomorrow and probably next week, it will not replace gasoline. It just won't. I know that. There's a practicality to it. But if we just sit on our butts and say, "Ah, it's never going to get done, so give up. Let's just keep using the fossil fuels. Well, when Thomas Edison and Henry Ford in the 1930s called that folly, I mean, and it's one thing if we try it, it doesn't work. But it's another thing altogether to say it'll never work that's stupid
0: I'm fine with investing in the um, in the electric car we absolutely should and, and every other alternative form of energy the difference is that when Henry Ford produced the model A and the model T we didn't go out and kill all the horses
1: <laughs> thank oh, you Scott <laughs> and that's fine uh, but, but here and that's the other problem with my argument right now that also, people are going to do also, you're making uh, it a zero sum I'm not
0: I'm also going to... You're not. You're not. But I took a picture. I didn't send it to you guys yet. I saw a Tesla today with a bumper sticker that said, zero emissions. Only in your mind, moron. Only in your mind, Hey, where's that power coming from? (laughs) That coal power plant down there? But that's the delusion. But yes, yes, I agree with you.
2: I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mark. We need to invest in the electric car. I'm going to agree with you, Mark, but I'm also going to say there's the other problem because you're not saying it, but a lot of people are saying it. Oh, yeah. We just get electric cars and all our problems are solved.
1: Well, no. No! It just makes another thing we got to solve. That's why I say it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Probably won't happen next week. But... Not unless you find an asteroid in space full of lithium. we can't just discount it all together and say, Well, it's not going to work because I can't see the solution today. Nope. Well, that's not the way to do it. It just... I'm just saying, well, if it means we're going to have to have more fuel gas-efficient cars as the go-to until we figure this out, then that's what it is. Yeah. But to throw in the towel is the fool's errand. Okay, but also don't
2: go into something when it's not prepared either. Well, I mean, if it's, it's, it's... You can move towards a direction... But we- do not give up on a f- tried and true yep. method well, and that's until I'm- you can actually succeed and use the new mo- method. Well, Especially when it's not zero sum. So like
0: yes. healthcare, when there were changes in healthcare, that was zero sum. You either had to scrap the old method and put something else in place or you had to keep the old method. And so if you wanted to move forward, you had to start somewhere even if it wasn't perfect and then keep trying to fix it. With the yes, it's worth investing in the electric car. That's his, that's his question well, he, that no one should disagree with
2: whatsoever.
0: It's a matter about, of time. It. I, it's I, a matter I,
1: of time.
2: I'm going to say invest, but do not push for the simple fact
1: that until the grid can take it, well, invest is. Push. Well, no, <laughs> that's the point. It, the point no, is, it depends how no. hard do you push. That's it's the like question. This.
0: invest in the electric car, but maybe we shouldn't. You know, for California, shut down our last functioning nuclear plant at the end of the year that supplies thirty percent of our energy when we're Why? already Why? having blackouts. That's
1: like said. How hard do you push? That's <laughs> right. the question. It's not. But well,
0: we've did, lost common sense in this country. You get in line with the extremes, and you follow you what the extremes say one way or you the can't, other.
1: But at the same time, and just getting back to the hard either of coal forever. Or windmills forever it's getting back to the heart of innovation here that futurism and science fiction like jules verne was positing when you throw in the towel you're basically saying well i don't see the solution today so therefore let's just keep doing the same thing well that's ridiculous nonsense uh you don't see the solution today which means all right then we got to keep doing what we're doing because we know it works but you keep striving you know, Scott, you talked about this with Star Trek. You keep striving. You keep struggling. Is it going to work today? No. Is it going to work tomorrow? No. But at some point, and it's, and it's not like we can say, the electric car will never work. It'll work. The electric it car works. It works, it's just, works, fine it's fine just not there. So, is it, like I said... Will it replace the gasoline engine? Yes, undoubtedly. Yes. By
0: twenty thirty, every single U.S. car maker, yeah, right. every single world car maker. You would think but... the the largest car maker in the world is Volkswagen. They've already said we will not have electric cars out there after gas cars after 2030. GM and Ford have basically said we're not making any more gas. The electric car
1: works. We'll see. It works.
0: It's efficient. But the the pipe dream that the electric car is going to save climate, uh, prevent climate change from happening is just that. A pipe dream. Because we didn't think about the rest of it as, oh, crap, how do we generate all this electricity? But the electric car absolutely works. The technology we need to invest in is removing carbon from the atmosphere.
2: Fear. no 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 time out scott back up truck up
1: climate change malady
2: <laughs> no not climate change or We're whatever, not going whatever
1: whatever whatever I'm there's not say, much in this no, movie to no, talk no, about no, so no, what no, did no. you expect there's no, plenty no. to talk about i just well, i'm we're saying, saying this
2: uh, theme y- you cannot get rid of gasoline right now and replace it 100 with electric cars electric cars work don't get me wrong, I'm not disagreeing that they work. You don't have the charging stations, you don't no, have the No, I'm not even going state, to say you know. charging stations. Where on earth are you getting enough lithium, which is a rare earth element, on the entire planet to produce well, that many lithium ion batteries to replace every you're not. single car. You know, you know, I got it's a <laughs> way worth it. I, I got a solution. You can't generate enough electricity
0: as it is. How can you generate enough electricity for the, for, to convert all the gas cars? I got you a solution. You would need a whole
2: bunch of nuclear power plants. Oh wait, nuclear bad. Can't do I, that.
1: I got a solution. Communism. China has a lot of lithium-ion. Allegedly, allegedly. Wait, 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 wait.
2: wait. Your solution is... Oh, God, God, shut up!
1: Rock, I want that.
2: Isolate that, Rock.
1: So. So, here's what I was getting at. Allegedly, China has a bunch of lithium-ion. Communism and bribery go together like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Communism and corrupt... Corruption and bribery go together like peanut butter and jelly. They have a lot of lithium, ye- supposedly. but Supposedly, that's the problem. That's the problem. They supposedly have it. I don't know. If that's
2: but the percentage it. of the Earth's crust that has lithium does not allow for even that much
1: lithium-ion batteries. Okay, but I was just, oh. I was just trying to say that we, you could bribe the commies. That goes well together, right? <laughs>
0: I mean, they're near the end of a dynastic cycle anyway. That's, On average, it doesn't last much more than 100 years.
1: Yeah, anyway. Uh, but uh, I, I guess, hey,
2: Winnie the Pooh, please don't bomb
1: us now. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to get at now is just that this this, even though it's not science fiction to us, we have to recognize that it was to him, and it has that futurist bent, which makes it science fiction, at least for him. I fully agree. So that's why, even though for us it doesn't line up, it it works in the same way that we did NASA November. That wasn't fictional. Everything we read, or read everything we watched really happened. The only fiction part was how some of the character drama played out.
0: Excuse me, sir. I have it on good authority from Mike Barra
1: that we never went to the moon. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry, Mike Barra. Wait, wait I'm sorry. Minute, I have it on good
0: authority from Mike Barra that we went
1: to the moon, but the I aliens know, on the dark the side of base. the moon told us not to come back. I was gonna say, Mike Barra changed his mind when aliens got involved, okay? Oh, wait. Okay?
0: I have it on good authority <laughs> that the aliens aren't on the dark side of the moon because we sent an expedition there and nothing's there, but they are hiding in a Lagrange point and they warned us away, communicating with Buzz Aldrin and the other Apollo astronauts to please stop coming back.
2: Yes, so, I have good authority that fifteen minutes on the other side of that channel, medical channel, was about the aliens talking about us leaving. So it was on the moon. So yes,
1: I have it on good
0: authority that Bigfoot is a transdimensional time traveling alien.
1: Actually, you know what? Uh, Big Bigfoot once saw me, except nobody believes him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I saw that in a t-shirt and I very much regret not buying it.
2: Why didn't
1: that, you buy that? I I don't. My wife pointed it out, and I was like, <laughs> I had to come back for that, and then I didn't. And I'm thinking,
2: no, your wife pointed it <laughs> out to you. You got the get away, buy it. Now. I know.
1: That's why she was like, you should buy that. And I was like, yeah, I should. It was wife approved. Yeah, I, wife approved. Come on, well, man. You know, I gotta go back and get it. I gotta Husband go. Back. Tested, it's been tested,
0: wife approved. Going back to get it. <laughs> it's because, like kicks.
1: <laughs> yep. Except the shirt was for kicks. Anyway, bad pun. <laughs> so. I guess we're at a point now where we can get into some rips and picks before we let this thing go too long. Man, we went 45 minutes without rips and picks. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with a couple picks. Well, maybe
0: 45. Rock is going to have to edit some stuff, so maybe we're like 41
1: minutes in. You mean all that Hitler stuff? Some of that. That Second stay. Although the one line might not. We'll see. But <laughs> all I got is the one line was, that I hope you save.
2: All I got to say is I want some clips saved from by Rock
1: for, I, I, from this. I would concur. So, and I know which line I want saved because, wow, I can't believe I said it. <laughs> anyway, so the, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> so the picks one, The acting is very good. Uh, and I am really impressed with the set design. This is back in the days when Hollywood actually built sets. And didn't green screen it or didn't go out to a desert so they could green screen a desert. You heard me, JJ. Um, you're not getting out of that, no matter how self-effacing you are. Um, the sets look magnificent. Uh, this, the set pieces like uh, what, where they actually were on location were great. In fact, that was another fun fact I forgot. And when they were in Thailand, or Siam at the time, the giant uh, boat they saw in the Pacific... That was actually the king's boat. They let him borrow it for the film. Um, Or he let them borrow it. Because, yay, royalty! Yeah, sure. Plus, it showcased him, so... Not like we don't celebrate royalty today, or this summer. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Or let
1: them speak
2: at the UN.
1: So, what happened was these... uh, It's really great looking sets. It's really great actors. Um... And it, it is fun and entertaining, it, except for ex- at least for me. Now, if you're a modern-day viewer of films and f- movies that can't sit still and has to have flat random flashy shiny ball syndrome, this movie is going to be an excruciating nightmare for you. Flat, plain and simple. Just make sure you've taken
2: your focus in. <laughs>
1: uh, a lot of it. You so, must take two pills before watching this film. Because yeah. this is going to be an excruciating nightmare. You can't, especially, you can't
0: fault the acting of this film. You can't. I will agree. And there's some, there's some brilliant comedic moments.
1: And um, panoramic shots. But that's part of the problem, too. That's a rip. I because am fleeing.
0: From women, and then he's just like uh, flirting with every woman yep. throughout the rest of the film every. when he's the he's the base of the human pyramid and yeah. he finds him. I chuckled, I started laughing. Runs away. Oh, yeah, I literally just started uh-huh. laughing. Yeah. I mean, there's times where this film made me laugh, made me chuckle. I sent Thomas and and Mark a text 30 minutes in or 25 minutes. In. I like this one so far. Yeah. It was charming, it was um it was entertaining. I liked the, the fully um, stereotypical British portrayal of Britain at that time in the Gentleman's Club. Ice? I should dare say not. That's a Yankee thing. That Some is, club members do take it, but you could give your liver a cold.
1: You know, <laughs> that is so true. I was listening to Paul Stanley of Kiss, his autobiography, because it's interesting, and he hated his first tour to England because of things like that, where... They, he's like they almost took a perverse pleasure in making your life uncomfortable. If you asked them for an ice cube to, in your drink, they sighed, rolled their eyes at you, and gave you one small ice cube. So yeah, that was it. Now that's different. Now. But back then, the old guard? Oh, yeah. They,
0: then you got the two guys playing chess. They haven't made a move yet, and they call the poor for the butler cat over to get, the, the cat. get that foul beast out of no, here. No, no, no.
1: Or the <laughs> newspaper? Oh, you mean someone else has touched it? Get another one. And then, can you believe it? Someone pilfered his newspaper. Next this thing, country's, people
2: talking to one another yeah, in here. This
1: country's going to the dogs. Yeah, exactly. Well, I see that so paper's te- been crinkled.
2: So technically, if you look at the chessboard, white has moved. A pawn.
0: <laughs> there, I mean, I found things move slow in the social club.
2: It was charming. I found that
0: there
1: was some quaint, old school charm to it, and then it just kept going. A Seventeen minute bullfight, which started off strong, but after a while, you're like, "So, did you just leave the camera on and the cameramen went away to take a smoke break?"
2: Also, yeah. <laughs> technically. Normally, bullfights end with a lot of knives in the bull.
1: Yeah, you know, you see a part where he has the sword and you're like, no way. (laughs) No way they're going to end this the way they're supposed to. No way. Nope, they don't. The director actually yelled, cut.
0: Hey kids, let's go watch the bull. Alright, kids, let's go. Does the bull get an ice cream cone after no kids? The
1: bull doesn't yeah, that's that's what it is. An ice cream cone. Nice sharp ice cream. <laughs> it's
0: a sword-shaped ice cream cone. The bull likes to eat the ice cream cone from directly inside his stomach.
1: Well, anyway, let's get going. You don't really need to see that. You know what ice cream is. Don't looks worry, like. kids.
0: Now that you've seen alright, I'm gonna fight Johnny afterwards. Can we end the fight the way they did? I, the bull got up and was fine, right? That's what you told me, mommy. The bull liked that i don't understand why jimmy
1: was screaming so loud (laughs) but you know that 17 minute bullfight along with a lot of other panoramic shots are one of the rips i have because even though they look great it's like wow really putting the filler in aren't you it
0: didn't just happen once they get to japan
1: and how many times are we gonna
0: cross between the apples and the statue, and the apples, and the statue, and the apples, in the statue. And yeah. oh, look, there's a woman carrying apples. I bet she gives him an apple. Now let's bow, talk, bow, talk. Oh, yep. look at Japan. Oh, it's an apple. Maybe I'll yep. eat it. Maybe, oh, there's the statue. Let me bow to the statue. Now I'm going to eat an apple. This scene sucks. <laughs> I don't care what year it is. It sucks.
1: Yeah.
2: It was, uh, you might be wearing the correct garb. But we already got it.
1: You're in Japan! We got the point now. You can (laughs) move to the next scene.
2: Five
0: minutes and it could have went two. I will never make fun of Star Trek, the slow motion picture again for the five minute glamour shot. I bleeping of the Enterprise. Because this did that in a seventeen-minute bullfight, and then did it fifteen more times. This was a three-hour film that had forty-five minutes of movie.
1: Yes, if that we called it the tour video, and that's precisely what it was. It was a tour video. It might have well have been. They they might as well have narrated it with National Geographic dialogue. Might have been more interesting, maybe not.
0: National debt dialogue <laughs> might have been more interesting. <laughs>
2: and in, this is the
1: expenditure.
2: The inflation rate is up 2.5%. With that inflation rate, it has caused the Dow to drop 5%. As, At
0: as one point, I was falling asleep while watching this movie, and I turned on C-SPAN. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where they were discussing a uh, energy appropriations bill that no one was attending. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean... I will knock it for that. As great as it looked, even I was finding myself going, Hey, Valaverse is releasing a new Desert Rat video. I think I'll watch that. No, you're watching Jules Verne.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I'm not the only one who decided to check other things while watching this film. Uh,
1: No, I mean, I'm I'm guilty as charged. Those scenes, I had to struggle. I had to fight myself to say, you're watching the movie.
0: You know what? I need some mental stimulation. I'm going to, for practice, redo my 2021 taxes so I'm better next year and see where I miss some deductions.
1: Whereas, And meanwhile, they're traveling across India and you see, oh, there's a guy with a farm.
0: Oh, the tax code. This looks exciting. <laughs> now, I wonder
2: what they changed from last
0: year.
1: As an interesting pick, which was comedic, they did show a bit of a culture shock moment where Passport Out Goes and he sees a cow eating in India, eating food from a table, and he's like, Hey, get away from there, get away from there. And everyone else is like, That's a sacred animal you just interrupted. That wouldn't happen so much today, but yeah, that would have been a cultural mishap right there. Because if you're not prepared for that, you're going to do that. As someone who has screwed up in other countries, that happens, and I never got chased, but It's still embarrassing, although they did blow it. He ran into a temple with his shoes on, which would have been another affront because in India, when you go into a temple, your shoes come off. Uh, And the people chasing him would have taken their shoes off. But what, you know. Well, also, he's
2: from England. So at the time, it was still a colony.
0: Sort of. I right, can't believe but, this movie got a major cultural detail wrong.
1: Uh, yeah, can't you? I can't believe it. No, they but got they something got wrong that wrong other one right. But it was a comedic moment, played for laughs. So this
0: is this is harder than when they told me it wasn't butter.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um,
2: and I've been next, laying. Next all the, thing you'll tell me that it, they're going to start spraying butter.
1: Uh, you know I. I've been labeling all the rips and picks. You guys got any? Because I pretty much hit on all the ones. Oh, the charmingness of Edward R. Murrow. I like that introduction that does the, um, the here's where we are and here's where we can be, the more positive, positivist, upbeat intro by someone. It's nice. It's charming. We're in an era where everything's negative and every, everyone I love is dead and everything's dying and, it was kind of a night Is it ridiculous? I don't know. Maybe. But it was charming.
0: I mean, I have I have one major rip for the whole film, and it's just that it's so much fluff.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
0: The parts of this movie yes. where there's actually a movie going on are not bad. None of them are are great. There's a couple good parts that made me chuckle or entertaining that I found quaint that I somewhat enjoyed watching. But there is... Again, I'm just gonna say, in a three-hour movie, there's two hours and 15 minutes of stuff we don't need. And like, I get you had to pad out
1: your movie, and I get that conceptually it's a tour video, but you overdid it. I, you know, it's funny and ironic that the Pierce Brosnan version from the 80s, I was like, oh, that's three hours. We can't do that. And then I, and then Scott rented this one, and I went, it's three hours. Ha. Which was shorter than the four-hour YouTube version. Yeah, I guess I sort of failed. Whoops.
2: (laughs) I'm just going to say this. You have given us some bad movies to watch, Mark. And long ones. And now you've given us very long ones.
1: You know, when, when one day in 20, what, 72 or something, when we all die off, We'll have hey, watched. Hey, hey. We
2: we're, we're, we're trying to look towards the future and futurists, So we we want I said to 2072. To... Yeah. That... So we want to be able to live 200 years in the future. Oh, okay. So I, I, one don't, day don't... in the future. Yeah, don't don't look down. Far, Far future. Look for, look Far for future. The progress. So maybe we'll die out in 19 uh, in
1: Okay. So one day when we die in the future, you will have seen a vast repertoire. Yes. Thanks yes. to me. And that may or may not preclude you spiking my medicine. I don't know. But I can't can take it anywhere. Why did you kill him? It's going to
0: be another bad movie. Yeah. Um, I am not watching be- Progeny 2! <laughs> I'm just going to say this is Scott's deep
1: pseudoscientific BS moment. Do 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 do. This is Scott's scientific moment. <laughs> deep meaning.
0: And it's BS
1: and it's pseudoscience
0: and it can be ripped apart by anyone who probably past 12th grade physics but um there is uh you know the, the in quantum theory everything that can happen in theory can does happen in the dual slit experiment i believe that there is an, an, you know uh probability collapses into reality once observed there will always be a version of me that lives or dies in every instance of every timeline there is a version that lives or dies so even when you get down to just two of me, there is a version where one of us lives and one of us dies. And so Schrodinger's cat. There'll basically. be a version where I live and I don't die. There'll be a version where I live and even when I'm the last person there, every tenth of a second, there'll be a version where I live and I don't die. There is one version of me that will live forever until the heat death of the universe. And I am that version. I am, to quote, to quote Rick Sanchez, the Scottish is Scott. And I will live forever until the heat death of the universe. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding.
1: anyway go on no that's it
0: that's his scientific because of quantum because of the fact that there is always whatever event can happen does happen somewhere in the multi-universe theory
1: there is a universe where I will never die and that has to do oh with the concept I mentioned yes when we all die
0: off at some point
1: oh okay I thought you were relating to the movie I'm like this the movie didn't address this at all Uh, but
2: I am the true authentic version of me Okay. That so will never die. So, unfortunately, Mark, all the torture you are doing to him, he will have to endure for the rest of time. Exponential. Flash right. forward to next week. Unfortunately,
0: Scott got overconfident and thought he was the version <laughs> that would never die and jumped off his house and died. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he charged an umpire with a bat and. The umpire claimed stand your ground and Mark had warned him for years this would happen, but he never, but after convincing himself that he was the ever living Scott, ever living Scott convinced himself of that and he charged. Yeah. Mark's response was, can't say I didn't warn him. I'm
0: never <laughs> arguing in softball again. There actually was a case where uh, this, uh, this summer someone pulled a gun on a softball field and shot at someone.
1: See, I told you. But the difference is, charging at a guy with a bat, it, even I'm going to go, uh, yeah, he had stand your ground law. He, he, he hey, had... He, self-defense was 158% on his I side. I didn't
0: charge him with a bat. I threw the bat at him.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot to split hairs hey, on this hey, Ruck, one. please
2: delete that. Scott, oh, <laughs> let's let's also be honest. Scott has now had a kid and has gotten married. He's and
1: toned down. He's matured toned quite down, a bit. Toned down. So, uh... Uh, there was a rip. I just wanted to throw out there, and I forgot what it was. Well, I'm um, going to put a pick out. Yeah, go for it.
2: At least the balloon moved in the correct direction.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, the blo- that was my rip that high up, and they're not freezing. Hmm, that's nice. Oh, oh, I was going to <laughs> let me finish. Okay. Um, what mountain range did they hit? The Alps. They could take snow off the cap of the mountain. Cute. The mountain range of the Alps in spain switzerland yeah yeah Aren't uh, you pretty- that's a bit about never mind about the correct direction because apparently that balloon
2: went in a u shape then
1: Oh, well, that's the other problem they showed scenes like they showed that castle with the canals there yeah, it's that's like in germany hi that's no holland i'm sorry i'm like oh so um they wanted to go to Marseille and they were cutting a Across the Netherlands, what? And I then can't the believe direction. this film got
2: got
0: details wrong. Uh, aren't they? I, I I don't know. How high are the Alps? Uh, I don't know. Google it. Uh, pretty high. pretty high. high. Wouldn't you need your own oxygen and warm weather? Like, warm aren't you gear? dead? Uh,
1: maybe even not- if you're not dead, <laughs> your death of you're dying from freezing. Let's
2: n- maybe not oxygen because. I mean, Hannibal crossed it without oxygen, but... But you're cold. You're definitely cold up there. You're now. cold. Sun yeah, and cold. the thin suits and that, yeah, that's yeah. good.
1: Hey, Master, let's get some ice from the Alps for the tr- chilled wine. <laughs> that's <laughs> cute.
0: And today, it's Phineas Fogg bad. will not get around the world in 80 days, as he's been hospitalized for severe frostbite after flying over the Alps in a balloon. Don't yeah. worry, he will get
2: severe <laughs> heat stroke the next day when he has hot... Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. while sitting in a hot ship.
1: <laughs> but, uh, hey, at least you won your bet if you hedged him against him, right? Right, right? He owes you 5,000 pounds if he lives.
0: Oh, those odds move too much when they went from 30 to 1 to 20 to 1? 33 to 1. 33, yeah. No, no, no. Now you take the other side of the bet. You're pretty much hedged, and then you just wait for those odds to move again, and you're covering all the bets, and you're going to win if you place it. Well, no. <laughs> But you can keep hedging your
1: bets. You're experiencing Gambler, Scott, now. Uh, Gambler is is now speaking. (laughs) If sickies, (laughs) if you ever want advice on gambling...
0: Don't ask me. I can tell you how to lose. And lose. And lose. And lose. And lose some
1: more. Hey, hey, I was winning just fine until Gambler came calling. You know the best bet? To
2: find the person who's always wrong and bet against them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, I think we're at a point here. Yeah, one hour, three minutes. Yeah, we're at a point where we can finally rate this thing. How many balloons do we give it, despite the fact balloons weren't in the original novel? So, who would like to go first? Why don't you? Okay, sure. Um, I'm going to give this a seven. It was a fun watch for me. There was a lot of charm. I, invo- I loved the acting. I admired the sets. and. I like the kind of futurist meaning behind it. That having been said, it was way too long. And um, I didn't let the insensitivity of depictions and the stereotype get in the way. Because I'm also remembering who I'm talking to or who I'm viewing. It's kind of like when my grandfather would ask me, instead of saying, So, how are the kids over in that part of town treating you when I was teaching them? He would use an insensitive racial slur. I, you just, you just kind of roll with it because you know he's 89 years old. He's not going to change terms. That's just the way it is. So um, that's why I didn't let it get me down. Uh, but if, if that kind of thing does get you down, then I would highly recommend looking at a more modern iteration of this film.
2: Yes, because the Jackie Chan one was so much most well,
1: I think they have, they've, they had another one with, um, what's his name? The one doctor who, and also played Kilgrave in the, from the BBC. That one might, you might like that one better.
2: Hi. Right. I'm going to give it, uh, five.
1: Mm-hmm. Not good. Not bad.
2: It was okay. It was long. There are plenty of scenes where I'm just like, "What's going on? This seems pointless. Why are they just shoving food in their face at this point, or something like oh, that? Yeah. And why are we just watching someone eat? Why are we watching them play chords for the fifty billionth time? Why is this so? But I mean, the concept's good. Some of the execution's bad. The
1: acting is very well. I mean, that is some good acting. So. I can't really destroy it.
2: I'm not going to sit here and go,
1: ooh, let's watch that
2: film again and again and again. And a-. No. Never. Will I watch it again? Possibly. But I'm not going out of my way to do it.
1: Quintilis Varus, give me back my legions! <laughs> this film...
0: It's not that it's long; it's that there are massive scenes where nothing is going on. There's fifteen minute intervals where no one speaks.
2: Don't forget, you got intermissions.
0: There is an well, actual an intermission. intermission, and then it doesn't just say intermission for the theater. They leave the intermission break in there while you're watching it at home.
1: Well, um, what's funny too about that, Scott? Another fun fact to insert into your criticism is that. They um <clears throat> in the theater they wanted to make it like a uh Broadway experience. So they closed down the bathrooms and uh prevents closed down concessions so no one would get up during the film. Oh, that's fantastic. And they handed out playbills. Uh, so, yeah, they I basically mean, were it say- glue- doing the equivalent of a clockwork orange. The only step further was to strap you to the chair, tape your eyes open, and play Ode to Joy in the background.
0: I mean, this is just, it's not just that it's long. It's, it's, it's about nothing. And not in a good way like Seinfeld is a show about nothing. It is, it is a tourist video, but on top of it being long, all the details are wrong. And, I mean, so many details are wrong. It's just lazy. You just relied on a whole bunch of stereotypes to say this is what the world's like. Here's Hong Kong, as imagined by someone who's never been to Hong Kong. Um, and, and, I I don't know. Uh, I don't do this often, but, um, I can't give it a rating of balloons. Um, and it's just because ultimately I determined that this film isn't actually a movie. And I call it unwatchable, so I just rate it unwatchable. It is un, It is unwatchable. That, that's, in my opinion, this is an unwatchable.: Stream of moving pictures on a screen.
1: I call it a tour video or a National Geographic do- yep. documentary for a reason, because that's what it mostly is, which again, to a 1956 audience, probably was pretty good.
0: Oh, but in, in 1956, us, this might have been. I catch. can see this would have been. This would have been good. I can understand. There was the. Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, I still don't understand how it won an Oscar for anything in 1956.
1: Probably cinematography. Um, it does look good.
0: No, but, you said writing, didn't you?
1: Uh, that was an Academy Award. Who cares about that? Yeah,
0: it just um. Star Crash is bad, but it's watchable. <laughs> I, I I mean. I'm not far off of joking when I said I had to turn on C-SPAN to wake myself up while watching this film.
1: Well, then, Scott, you'll be happy to know that next month will not be as droll for you. Uh, Next month, sickies, I'll I'll go ahead and throw it out there. We are doing The Truth Is Out There August. That's right. Some of the best episodes of The X-Files. Wait. What? This is not an approved title. Why not? Oh, alliteration THE TRUTH IS to... OUT THERE AUGUST? No, 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 no. Alliteration can be sound or letter. So out and August are close enough in my mind.
3: What? WHAT? Hi there, sickies. It's me, Ruck. Um, just, just a quick thing I want to point out to Mark. I'm extremely tired, so I'm sorry, but, um, love X-Files. Um, it's basically the adult Scooby-Doo is what I used to call it. So I'm making a petition to call it Adult Scooby-Doo August. Please love me. That's all I want. I love you, Mark. I love you, Scott. Thomas, you already know how I feel about you. But yeah, back to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Look, I'm scraping the barrel. Just let me have it.
0: How about how about Alien August?
1: <laughs> no, because the X Files isn't always about aliens. No,
0: no, no. This is fantastic. It would open up the range of topics we could talk about if we're finally moving away from the. You know, though October is horror month, and that's January
1: just, is trekking into the new that's year. That's the exception. We're d- hey, I'm the title guy. It's Truth Is Out There. August, okay? No, no, wait, wait, wait. Who are you and where is Mark?
2: Yeah. Also, if we if that is now the rule, is close enough. We're opening up the floodgates. Hey,
1: hey, hey, I, I open the floodgates and I stand in the way, so you and you lent that power to me, so that's what it is. The point is, X Files, okay? X-files. Alright. So, that's what you could look forward to next month, Scott and Sickies and Thomas. Uh, which is good. <laughs>
2: which is and good Thomas, because thanks. even
1: if you hate the episode, it's Poor only for Thomas. an hour. Nonetheless, I just
2: stand in between you two and make sure you don't kill each other. That's all I'm here for. That's a While vital role. Right. And you,
1: that's a vital <laughs> role. And you know it. Uh, but if you can't wait until then, you also can go to uh, raving lunatic media and listen to our other fine shows like the caseatorium where you could talk about the case of Emily Dreyer and listen to about how she got into an elevator and did weird stuff at a hotel and, and found. T- took a dive into a water tank and many other fine. Wait, service. is that your
0: haunted elevator?
1: No, that's not the haunted elevator. <sighs> Too bad. It was close. It was close. But she's nice. like
0: staring at something in that elevator that's not there. Well, I
1: see. Scott has seen this as well.
3: Hey guys, Ruck again, uh, creator of episode that they are talking about. Um, they, it, it's the, the the case of Elisa Lamb, not not dryer. Dryer was so, uh, the thing you put your clothes in. Yeah. Uh, The footage also seems sped up.
1: It does, but you can listen to that. You could also listen to A Case of the Chills on the Casatorium, where we're hopefully one day going to get a story about a haunted elevator. We also have Zodiac Task Force, which is always awesome. And, in fact, I just did a script review of some of the cast, and that is going to be a great next episode. And, of course, you also have Sci-Fi Melody. You could go back and listen to our long track record, and we got some good stuff coming up. So, you could do check all this stuff out at our Discord or at
0: www. I got nothing for this week, people. RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com, rage RageMaster. What's left for them to do?
1: Stay sick, sickies.
3: Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Ruckstar, here with Ruckstar News. Today we got to sit down with political and socio-economical expert, the Rage Master. We got to ask him a few questions. Here are his responses. Rage Master, you are a very big historian. I see here in your biography that you wrote several hundred pages way too long. I see that you are very, very interested in World War II. If you could choose one person from World War II uh, to sit down and have dinner with, what would you tell them? And who would it be?
1: Good job, Hitler, on eventually coming around to the rockets.
3: Uh, well, that's a, um interesting remark. I don't think I share the same values, but you all know what? To each their own. Now... Ragemaster, since you are a socio-economical expert, we've decided to ask you the question, how would you fix today's climate? I got a solution. Communism? Communism. Um, very interesting way to go. Uh, I read in your autobiography, uh, aptly named Ragemaster Hear Me Roar, uh, which is on sale anywhere for 300 Bitcoin way to go buddy but uh i read that you would love to be a leader uh is there a reason you'd love to be a leader in this communist utopia you're dreaming of
1: communism and bribery go together like peanut butter and jelly
3: let's let's get off of of this topic i feel like we're uh we're getting a bit too bit too uh familiar with you um let's let's get on to something a bit more light um Do you have any, like, nighttime routines before you go to sleep?
1: Spiking my medicine.
3: That actually, um, explains quite a bit. Um, well, we recently interviewed your two very close friends, Scott and Thomas, of the podcast Sci-Fi Malady, and we asked them about your interesting behavior, and this is what Scott had to say. It you also could you have been the
0: cocktail the- of, like, meth, cocaine, and God knows how many yeah. other drugs oh, that his personal position had him on wow, every day. Y- y-
3: Scott goes on uh, later to claim that he has, quote-unquote, dirt on you that he can use at any time to gain political favor. What do you have to say about that?
1: that's the problem they supposedly have it i don't know
3: well folks you heard it here first thank you for listening to my interview with the rage master we'll see you next time on ruckstar news